Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your call to worship. Today is the second Saturday of November, November 11th, 2023. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve treasured individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, Sister Sharon Taylor, our minister of music. Pastor Millicent will offer the altar prayers. She will also deliver the preached words. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship, and I, Elder Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as your worship leader. We ask all of you on the call to pray in your daily prayers for Refuge from the Storm church members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who died from targeting. Pray for all government officials to to be moved by the Holy Spirit to discern the will of God, do it and not do their will. Please pray for world peace, the worldwide climate crisis, excuse me, all refugees, particularly Haitian and African, who have suffered extreme abuses in their own countries, as well as abuses trying to reach other countries. Pray for all victims of gun violence, stabbings, and all violence in their families. Pray for all children, especially the missing and trafficked. Pray for TIs who've had their children taken away unjustly by an unjust court system. Pray for the unhoused, both targeted and untargeted, to obtain housing that will help them to have peace without satanic frequencies harming them. And pray today, especially for all veterans, especially those who are targeted. Thank you for your attention. Now let us listen to our opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you through the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six and be blessed. Amen. Amen. I hope you all can look back down over the years of your life and see that God has done just what he said. When we stay in the race, God will continue to bless us. And I'm so thankful that he is a a blessing God. I'm so thankful that it was his idea to bless us. And he carries through his promises to perfection. 
Good evening to some and good afternoon to others. It is a pleasure and a privilege to join Elder Kellen in welcoming you to this service today. It has, um, it's been a beautiful week in the weather here in Middle Tennessee. I'm not sure about how it has been and where you all have been. I understand that some parts of the country are already getting snow, but we've had 70s and, and I think 80 one day this week, quite unusual for the month of November. But we thank God for each new day in agreement with the scripture that says that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I never want to miss an opportunity to say thank you to the ministry team, those who are sharing with me in the bringing of this service to you each week. So Elder Carolyn, Sister Greta, Sister Helena, who has stepped in, Brother Bob, thank each of you for your role in helping with this service today and all of the others uh, who serve week after week and month after month. We are so appreciative to you for all of your service to the great and mighty God and to this treasured targeted community. God bless each of you. I will remind you as did Elder Carolyn that Brother Bob is our Zoom moderator and hit part of his role is to maintain the reverence of the service and that is to keep things going so that we can have uh, an, an uninterrupted service and so I just ask that you would each uh, cooperate by keeping your phones muted unless it is your time to speak. This afternoon, I want to share from Psalm 90. Uh, I kind of got that in my mind a few weeks ago and the adversary has fought me so hard about getting this message together. It's just amazing, but apparently it's something God wants to say, and he wants to remind us of through the mouth of Moses. We all will remember who Moses was. Moses was the um, babe who was rescued from the Nile River, just as the king had ordered that every baby would be uh, killed at birth. And the midwives refused to uh, honor the king's instructions and instead they saved the babies and Moses's mother put him in a basket and set him down the Nile and the hand of God led him to the Pharaoh's daughter and he was raised in the Pharaoh's castle as a, a son a grandson and until the time that God needed him for his birth purpose and so as we look at Psalm 90 today, I, I, I was reminded of these words of Moses as I think about Israel and Hamas and Gaza and the uh, Ukraine and all those who are suffering so terribly at the hand of the warmongers. And it reads, I'll be reading verses one and two, Lord, thou has been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou, thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I come to you just humbly, thanking you for the words of Moses, God, thanking you for the words of wisdom 
Father, thanking you, God, that for the many times that I heard my granddad pray these very words, oh God, on a Sunday morning during service, as he gave you glory and honor and praise for just being God to us. I come, Lord, this afternoon asking you, Lord, to have mercy on us. Father, you know the situations and the circumstances we face. You know, oh God, the opposition and the tricks and the traps, oh God, that we're constantly having to tunnel through. And yet in the midst of all of it, Lord, just as Moses was reminded, I am reminded today, you're still God. You're still sovereign. You're still the God who calls the shots. You do what you want to, when you want to, how you want to. And as we see through the through the uh, prophet Moses, through whom you want to. And so God, I just say today that I'm available to you. I pray God that you will bless the ears and the, and the hearers of your word today, God. I pray Father that you would use your word to change our hearts wherever there needs to be changes. Fill us up, oh God, afresh and anew with your precious Holy Spirit as we make our determination and our vow to you again this day to serve you for all of our days. In Jesus' name, amen. I I just kind of Googled, or I really was looking through the mail that came to me that referenced Psalm 90, kind of with shock and with awe. One of them was um, the a letter from the ACLU, and it talked about freedom of religion, and, and this is a little bit of what the um, article said the title of it was What's at Stake? Whether a public school district had the constitutional authority to prevent a high school football coach from continuing his longstanding practice of leading student athletes in midfield prayer immediately after games was challenged and a Supreme Court ruled on it that the coach had a right to lead the students in prayer after the game. Now, what is it? Just think about that for a minute. A lawsuit went all the way to the Supreme Court over whether or not a coach had was overreaching his boundaries or violating the rights of a football player if he asked them to say a prayer in the middle of the field it says after the game, not before, but after. And the Supreme Court, I believe, agreed with the coach's right to do that because he'd been doing it all along. Now that's important as I think about Moses and where he is today, possibly today in this prayer. When he said to God, Lord, thou has been our dwelling place in all generations. Quite possibly the coach was born and raised in a Christian family. Quite possibly they brought him to church every Sunday. If they didn't bring him, they sent him. He probably spent Sunday morning sitting in Sunday school and Sunday afternoons and Wednesday nights sitting in prayer in, in a, a worship service and in Bible study. And so prayer became a part of him. He came to understand that nothing was accomplished without prayer or without the power of God at work on their side. And the coach then would lead his players in prayer. Now, it didn't say whether he led them in prayer 
only after they won a game, but it says that immediately after the game, he led the students in prayer. And they didn't go to the locker room to say the prayer, but they stood right in the middle of everybody who wanted to stop and watch them as they prayed. Now, I don't believe that the coach would have stopped anyone that objected from praying if they were to just excuse themselves quietly and go on to the locker room. Perhaps there were others who came out of the stand to join them in prayer because they believed in the God to whom the coach and his students were praying. Now, you might ask, how does that affect us today? And what in the world does that have to do with Psalm 90? Psalm 90 was written by Moses, and it was most likely the oldest psalm. Some presume that it was written during their trek through the wilderness. Another interesting fact about Psalm 90 is that it begins the fourth division of Psalms, which covered Psalms 90 through 106. And it says it was likely written after Israel refused to heed the Lord's command to enter and occupy Canaan, which was talked about in Numbers 13, 14, and I'll be bringing that in today. However, it says the background for Psalm 40 is Israel's wanderings for 40 years in the desert and the perishing of a generation as a result of disobedience. When we think about what this means, we can go back to the events that we know about that happened after Israel was brought out of Egypt. In fact, we can take another look at what miracles God performed as he brought Israel out of Egypt. It wasn't in a day. It didn't say if it was in a week, but we do know that he brought them out shortly after he sent Moses back in to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. We also saw as we studied these chapters from the chronological Bible that almost immediately Israel backslid but they really didn't know anything about following God. All of the old people that had been in, in um, captivity for 400 years or longer, all they knew is that they spent all that time toiling. They spent all of that time being beaten and mistreated. They spent all that time uh, satisfying the whims of a Pharaoh who may have been sometimes power hungry and what they knew was to pray to their God, their God, the God of their father, Abraham, of father Isaac, and of father Jacob, from whom Israel was, was named. And yet, in the wilderness, after all of the miracles, and after crossing the Red Sea, and after getting on the other side, Israel had a problem obeying God. You can believe it or not, that war in Israel today is because people have a problem obeying God. In fact, they have a problem recognizing God as God. And yet Moses opened the chapter of Psalm 90 by saying, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. What we do know is after 40 years in the wilderness and 
400 years in captivity. A lot of generations were represented in this prayer. And then Moses went on and said, before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth. He'd gone all the way back to Genesis chapter one. We, we were told in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or Psalm 24, when the psalmist David said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Moses joined them. Or they joined Moses by saying, before the mountains were brought forth or Ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Moses was saying to God that no matter what happened from the beginning till now, you've been God. And no matter what happens from now to the end of the world, you'll still be God because you were God in the beginning. And so I went back and I looked at Numbers chapter 14 and all of the things that Israel got in trouble about and Moses was enumerating all of it then. They rebelled about coming out into the, in the wilderness. They, re, they griped and complained about Moses bringing them out. They wanted to know where God was, and, and they would make God mad. God was mad because he said, I've done all of this for them, and they're complaining. They're griping, and they are not grateful. I don't know about you all, but I was sometimes called un uh, an ungrateful child because I didn't always want what my parents had on the table and I didn't always want to wear what they bought for me to wear. And so they would call me ungrateful. God was calling a whole host of people, over 3 million of them, ungrateful. So much so that God had decided he was going to just get rid of them. And Moses stepped in. Often Moses was found praying to God about the children of Israel, asking God to repent of the, of the evil that he sought to do to them because of their haughtiness, their rebellion, their disobedience, and their ungratefulness. But Moses never failed to plead with God about them. And even after God would pardon Israel, he still would make them go through the hard times. He would still show them what it would have been like if he had not gotten mad at them. He would let them feel the withdrawal of his affections, even though he knew he could not stop loving them. And then God got to the place where he told Moses that Israel, as they were, would not go into any promised land that he had promised. So you see, God can change his mind. He can do anything he wants to, but he never does it hastily. Israel had rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. And God says, none of them are going. In fact, Moses wasn't even allowed to go. And some in looking at Psalm, at Psalm 90 says that he's writing this at the end of his life and at the end of his leadership just before God calls him up into the mountain. But that hasn't been proven because some also says that he wrote it sometime during the era in which they were living of Numbers 14, 13 and 14. But God told Moses that all of them were going to be allowed to perish except the children, those who had not yet been trained in disobedience. They had not yet learned to be arrogant and ungrateful to God. He said, except for Caleb and Joshua, 
they were going to be allowed to go into the promised land. But imagine how Moses must have felt when God named off those who were going to be allowed to go, and yet he wasn't. But still, Moses was able to praise God in prayer by saying, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And so as we think about Moses and the children of Israel and how they had rebelled in God's response to their rebellion, we think about how we should respond to God today because we are in somewhat the same place. There's the war going on. It's not just focusing in um, Hamas and Israel and Gaza. And it's not just going on in the Ukraine and those involved are not only Russia, but also others, the United States, I understand, have, have, have gotten into a little bit of what's happening in Israel, even while they're providing money for Hamas to buy more weapons and they fire their weapons on us on a regular basis. Our determination still has to love God. We still have to be reminded of his faithfulness. We still have to know that he's sovereign in all his ways. No matter what we come through, I tell you, you have to be determined to understand and to confess with your mouth. If he brings me to it, he'll give me grace to take me through it. And so I came to these three, four ways in which we must love God, even through our days of remembering that from everlasting to everlasting, he's still God. We have to love God through his world. The first uh, Corinthians 13 tells us how, what love is, what love isn't, what love does and what love doesn't. And if that's not clear enough for you, Jesus tells us that we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength and with all our soul. And then he says, and that's the first commandment. And the second commandment is like unto it, we must love our neighbor as ourself. And so when I talk about loving God through his world, that means showing the people even outside of the family of God, the love of God. That means helping the poor and the suffering who may not know God. Some have not had a chance to know God. I still marvel at the number of people who tell me that they weren't born and raised in church. They weren't raised in families that served and worshiped God. And yet many of them turn to God anyway, some because of activities on the college campus, some because of the next door neighbor, some because their friends went to church and their parents took the child to church with the, with the friend. And so many have experienced the love of God through, through strangers and through those of us who follow and serve and love God. And because we love God, we show it to the world. I love 1 John 3, 14, that reminds us that the world will know that we are Christians by our love. The second way we love God as we seek to re be reminded that from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. And as we love God, we're showing the world the image of God. And that's through his word. We remember God's promises. We also remember the commandments. When we love God through his word, we 
keep the commandments. We study the Bible. We learn and understand the Pentateuch. The children of Israel did not necessarily have it all written down, but I'm telling you, God started the whole educational system off by writing out the Ten Commandments, all of the thou shalt nots, all of the thou shalts. And so we have the opportunity to study and to learn from the whole Bible. We have the opportunity to study and to learn from those who walked the walk and who lived the life. God sent Moses before us. God sent the Davids. He sent the Jeremiah's and he sent the apostles. The, they started out as disciples of Jesus Christ. More importantly, he sent Jesus. Psalm, uh, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it told us that without him was nothing made that was made. And so Jesus the most important part, who is the word? We got from the psalmist that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have to have the word. Isaiah told us that the word can't go home empty-handed, but it must accomplish what God pleases and prosper in the ones to which God sent it. And so God sent his word to us. Jesus accomplished his task. He went to Calvary. He went to the tomb. He rose again and then he walked among men so that they would realize the power of the resurrection and then he said and i give it all to you we can walk in the same strength that jesus walked in and then we can have eternal life and then the third way that we can express the image of god and love him all the more is through his works we have to remember what his works was through to creation, what his works was through those who lived and walked in the Bible. And then we look at our own life. Has he protected us? According to Psalm 91, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When we think we are away from God or God is away from us, we have to be reminded that He's still covering us with his wings. And in the book of Acts chapter 17, it tells us so clearly in him we live and move and have our very being. That means we can't go anywhere without being in him, under his protection, under the pavilion of his love. Then we have to remember his provision. Those of us who are in, in the treasured, targeted community know much suffering. We know lots of loss and lots of lack. Very few have not had lack in their lives or suffer lack right now. I know of one brother who is a, a, a veteran. He, when I met him, he was living in his vehicle and it was in the dead of winter. He was trying to get gas for his vehicle so that he could stay warm. God got him out of that, at that predicament. But ever since it seems he's been in yet another and another and another predicament, though the veterans have taken him up to care for him. And yet it's a provision that God made. He doesn't have to go through the winters of, uh, concerned about how he was going to stay warm or if he had enough food to eat or enough clothes or enough covering for the warmth that he needed. 
He doesn't have to go through the summers in the hot, in the hot car. You know, the sun is, it's not the sun that's getting hotter. It's what man is doing in the atmosphere that's making it so much hotter. It's the chips in our bodies that can be used to heat our tissue to make us so uncomfortable. It's the suggestions that can be sent to our brain stems that makes us sometimes feel heat that isn't even there. And yet God makes the provision of air, of air conditioning, of fans, of ways that we can keep ourselves cool. And for that, we are so thankful. And then we can't forget his promise as we think about loving God through his works. It's, it's through his, his works that we're able to experience and look out and see the sun, the sky, the, the, the moon, the stars, and remember that God is still keeping covenant with his people. We're able to look at the sea when those of you who live near, near the uh, sea or the ocean and you can walk up to it from the beach, you have to know that God's keeping his promise. When he told Noah that no longer will I cover the earth with water, you have to know that he's keeping his promise because the sea can't come up on the earth unless God gave it permission. The sun, the stars, and the moon have to hang in the, in the sky unless God tells them to fall to the earth. And as long as they're hanging, remember covenant. And it's because of God's love that covenant is kept. And then lastly, we look at, at loving God. We're loving God through his ways. And as we love him through his ways, we're expressing to the world the image of God. His ways, integrity. His words are character. His ways are moral fortitude and, and standing. And he gives it to to us. His ways is justification, the fact of finding us not guilty through the power of the blood of Jesus. His ways are sanctification, setting us apart by us putting our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, accepting salvation through his sacrifice, and then having God declare us worthy of the family of God. His ways is glorification that comes after, after Jesus brings us home. But beyond that, it came when the Holy Spirit came to live within us. It comes because the Holy Spirit lights us up. He's the candle within us, and we become the candle in this dark and dying world. Yes, we go to the lamp and turn on the lamp. Yes, we can go to the light switch and turn on the light. But I'm telling you, if the light switch and the and the lamp was out, if there was no electricity in the world and there is no Christian, there would be no light. Everything would be darkness. And so all of these reveal God's attributes. We become God's word, God's works, and God's ways to a dark and a dying world. We become the example of what it's like to love God so much that we want to be an example in the world, that we want to be an example of his word. As we walk in his word and share the word with others, we become an example of his works. As we become God's hands outstretched, as we show the world the love of God through feeding the hungry and clothing the naked through giving water to the thirsty and visiting the sick and the 
imprisoned and definitely through giving housing or helping housing to be provided to those who are homeless. And so as we become the image of God in the world, in his word, in his works and in his ways, he is revealed to the world, to those who wish to know him and to honor him with your life. That's us. Now, there were some references to this scripture and to God's eternal presence in his world, to God's hand of creation, to God's uh, power that goes from everlasting to everlasting. And all of them talked about the fact that he is our refuge. That means he's our only security. What Moses was saying to God when he said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, whether we know it or not, because we've lived in his world, we're in his dwelling place. And for those of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are in him because we live and move and have our being in the circumference of his love. And then Moses went on and he said, before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hast formed the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. What we're reminded is to be is that there is a God. There could be no mountains without God. If you don't believe in the miracle of, of creation and formation, my children went to Mexico during the summer. I think I've shared this with you all before. And they were able to get out somehow to that formation of rock that sticks up out of this, out of the sea. Now, and when I went to Utah a few weeks ago, the person who picked me up at the Air Force at the airport, he was driving toward the mountains. And he says, I want you to look at how the, the caps of the mountains are formed. He says, we know that, they're, that we're in the place where the mountains, where the earth was formed, because he says, all that you can see now used to be underwater. But we're driving on a highway where God has cleared the water away from. My children were out in the ocean where there was a rock sticking up just to remind us of the sovereignty of a God who formed the world and everything that was in it. And then Moses said, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. All I can do as I close this afternoon is to remind you that no matter where you are right now in life, before you was, there was a God. Where we are right now, we could only last because there's a God. Many of us could talk about where we would have been if there was no God, how we would not be in our right minds, how we would not be sitting in a building or having food to eat had it not been for the grace and the mercy of God. What we can tell you is that where we are right now is only because of an everlasting, of an eternal God. And where we plan to be at the other side of life is with the eternal God, the one who without, without whom there would be no earth, there would be no sea, there would be no mountains, and there would be no you or me. In Jesus' name, amen.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.